You are listening to the official podcast of Refuge, where we believe all people matter to God. Well, good morning, church. Um, there's a special lady standing by my side today, and you know, when we got married, I determined in my heart that this woman will stand by my side, not under my feet, because we're co-laborers together. The Bible says we're heirs together in the grace of this life. So what we do is a calling on our life, but our first call is in marriage, one to another. And so today in this message, we want to talk about the dynamics of relationship and all that. The title of this morning's message is Live It Right. Live It Right. I heard a clang in the background. I don't know what that was. But <laughs> honey, why don't you greet the congregation, take a moment and do that, and, and, and we'll get right on. I, I do have some humor for you. I did not pass it by her, so I thought she might exit out before so. Well, I, I didn't marry him because of his humor. I'll put that out there. <laughs> it's because of his good looks. Look at oh. that. <laughs> so thank you all for being here today. This is going to hopefully not just be a comedy hour, but that you'll leave here with things that, you know, will brighten up your spirit a little, but that you'll be able to take things with you as you go out there. You know, to me, it's important when we talk about Valentine's Day and love and all that, that we not just address married couples. Because um, why don't we take a show of hands of how many of you are not married? Raise your hand. Wow, look at look this. At okay, now the girls on this side, the guys on this side. <laughs> we are all about arranged marriages at this church. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> Although we could help you with that. Well, <laughs> I have to admit, she has become a matchmaker since we've got married. And she's got some real good discernment, and you know, uh, she does a pretty good job with that stuff. So. But uh, if you're ready for some humor... What did the Valentine's card say to the stamp? You're stuck with me. Stick with me and we'll go places. <laughs> How about uh, what did the paper, paper clip say to the magnet? Read the second part, honey. Oh, I need my glasses. Where is it? Right there. Oh, I find you very attractive. Okay. <laughs> All right. Now, I don't know if you've ever got a Dear John letter. Um, I guess I did one time, I hate to admit. But uh, uh, in the Dear John letter, uh, it read this way. I've been unable to sleep since I broke off our engagement. Won't you forgive and forget? Your absence is just breaking my heart. I was a fool. Nobody can take your place. I love you. All my love, Jane. And then P.S., Congratulations on winning last week's lottery. <laughs> <laughs> all right, that's all. The, do you have any yeah, more? Timing is everything. Okay. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, how many of you have Valentine's anniversaries uh, on this date, on Valentine's Day? How many of you? I know uh, yeah, the Snyders do. My mom and dad, they could not be here today, but they're celebrating their 63rd anniversary. And that's pretty awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Anyone else have Valentine's anniversaries? That's a great day to get married. Guess what? You don't, it's harder to forget your anniversary when it's on Valentine's. But and you get gypped because you only get one gift. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I have a birthday the day after our wedding anniversary, so I know how that feels. <laughs> well, I, I'm into two for one sales kind of thing. No. Anyway, yeah, I, I don't know. This, this is going to, I'm not sure how this is going to go. We better pray before it gets carried away. Well, uh, before we pray, I, I, just, I just want to give you a little backdrop of Valentine's Day because sometimes we celebrate something and we really don't know the roots, the heritage, or where it originates from. And we realize that Valentine's Day originated uh, from a historical period of time when actually marriage was banned uh, in the Roman Empire. Uh, the needing more soldiers to fight in invading armies, uh, the Goths were invading Rome, 
And the emperor thought that it was better if men weren't married because they made better soldiers. So Emperor Claudius II banned traditional marriage in the military. Now Valentine was either a priest in Rome or he was a bishop in Tyranny, and he was actually living in the central uh, Italy region. But he had risked uh, the empire's uh, wrath by standing up for traditional marriage. And he secretly was marrying these Roman soldiers to their young brides. So St. Valentine's was actually arrested. He was dragged before the prefect of Rome and condemned to die. Now, while awaiting his execution, his jailer, Asterius, actually asked Valentine to pray for his blind daughter. And when he did, she was miraculously healed. She regained her sight. And the jailer was actually converted, was baptized along with many others. It, it caused kind of a mini revival back then. Now, right before his execution, Valentine wrote a note to the jailer's daughter saying it from your Valentine. And so St. Valentine was beaten actually with clubs and stones, and then he failed, that failed to kill him. And so eventually he was beheaded outside of the Flaminian Gate on February 14th, 269-18. Now in 496 AD, Pope um, Gleasis, that's how you pronounce it, uh, designated the 14th as St. Valentine's Day. So that's kind of where this thing started. So it was really a, a Christian uh, celebration of love and a, a sacrificial kind of love at that. So anything you want to add to that? All right. Well, let's look at a key scripture for the month as we're talking in our Live It series. It's found in Matthew 5, 48. And let's look at this together. We'll read this from the message version of the Bible. In a word, what I'm saying is, grow up your kingdom subjects. Now live like it. Live out your God-created identity. Live generously and graciously towards others the way that God lives towards you. Honey, you want to pray? Well, Father, I just thank you for this time that we have today to gather together to celebrate you and really to focus on your love because we know that's something that each one of us can have and can receive. Thank you that we not leave this place without receiving something from you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, in this part of this month's series, we want to talk about living it right. And that is actually in reference to the home. That affects the relationship between the husband and wife, the, the marriage couple to the children in the household. And so there's a scripture that we find that I believe capsulizes the importance of family and realize even at refuge we're family. And so we see in Ephesians chapter three, if you wanna turn there, and we'll start reading at verse 14. And honey, you want to read that passage from 14 through 16? And I'll read the second part of it. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. Starting at verse 17, it goes on to say, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now, I can't really think of a better passage that relates to the family. It's really having a revelation of the love of God. Because if love isn't practiced at home, what good will it, will it uh, have as far as an impact beyond the home? And, and I think everything begins at home and, and what we, how we live our lives and how we practice and live out this Christianity. You know, when, <clears throat> when we took a show of hands, like I'm surprised at how many single people are here. And then I think of my days back when I lived with roommates and you know, those weren't always easy days, but those, that was really good practice for living with him. <laughs> because 
I, I really found the best roommate of all now, so. Well, you know, I'd have to agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, we just can't be roommates, and sometimes I get accused of that. Yes, you know, so, that's but, right. But we're working on that. Okay. See, the dynamics of our relationship, because we work together, too, you know, we're, we're really together a lot of hours in a day. And so taking time with each other has to be intentional, or we just go about our day-to-day -day work, home, work, home. There's actually some weeks where I'll say, okay, I haven't made it past this church in like a week and a half. Can we drive into town? <laughs> you know, so we have to inten be intentional about having our free time, just like all of you do. We can get really busy with school, with work, with our family, with all those things, but we have to take time for each other because it's that important to God too. That's right, and sometimes she doesn't get into town because um, she has me do all the errands. No. <laughs> hey, it works. No. Yeah, it, it works, <laughs> which I don't mind. I don't mind doing that. But uh, yeah, one of the things that, uh, you know, you think about when you're with somebody a lot, there's times where they can kind of get annoying or under your skin and that sort of things. But, you know, this is one woman that I never get sick of being around. I never get tired of her being around. And in fact, sometimes she said, aren't you sick of me? And I have to really honestly say, no, I'm not. Because I know that we are a one flesh team that God put together. And you might have heard the phrase, this is a relationship made in heaven. That may be true, but it's lived out on this earth. And that requires a lot of work and a lot of effort, a lot of sacrifice, a lot of giving. And, and there is a give and take in every relationship. But yet, when we give, the Bible says, when we set that as a priority, we ultimately end up receiving. So don't ever be just a taker. You are not a taker, you're a giver. And so that applies in so many arenas of our life. You know, years ago we heard a statement that James Dobson said, and he said, you don't marry the person that you can live with. You marry the person that you think you can't live without. And so it's, it's knowing, like, I can't imagine my life without him, and vice versa, you know, where we just can't imagine that. And so you singles, when you're, you're believing God for that person, if you feel like you're supposed to be married, know that it's somebody that God has for you and that person that you just love spending time with outside of all the emotional, fleshy stuff, you know? It's just knowing there's nobody I'd rather be with. You know, and we think, we talk about our relationship, and a lot of you are newer here, and so you don't know background about our relationship, but we were, we worked together here for eight years and became best friends through those years, and then, um, you know, he was somebody I really felt sorry for him. Sorry, but I did. And I only felt sorry for him because all he did is work. He was here all the time at church. Like he didn't do anything outside of church. And, and for me, the way I'm wired, I think we need something beyond just work. And this is ministry and it's about God and all that kind of stuff. But we still need something. Even God rested. He took a day of rest. And so he isn't God Jr., so he needed a day of rest. <laughs> so... <laughs> what we did is started playing, I played racquetball, and so I thought, how about if I teach you how to play racquetball? And I wasn't very good at it. He wasn't good at all. He really was not good at all, but guess what? He got really good. I did. And then he started beating me. I did. And then we stopped playing. <laughs> There's one we thing did. about Pastor Deb, she does not like to get beat at anything. No, I tell you what, she is a world-class foosball player. I mean, she's taken on people that, I mean, are the greatest, and she beats them, hands down. And so, if you ever want to, we have a foosball table in our house, and if you ever want to challenge her, you are welcome to, but prepare to be humbled. Okay? We have a Chinese student that lives with us named Gary, and... We, we actually have two, we have Gary and Ricky. And so Gary is really athletic, and so I asked him one day if he wanted to play foosball, and he said, okay. So he comes, you know, and he's really athletic, like 
he plays um, badminton, and you, his arms are like rock because from hitting that thing, whatever you do with it, but, but he's like super good, plays on his school team and things like that. And so, you know, we're playing foosball, like I think maybe I let you get one point out of like three games or something like that, you know? No pride here or anything. But a few minutes later, he goes in his room and he comes back out and he's got his computer and he's looking online at foosball moves, like how to really hit that ball. And I'm like, hey, we got to stop playing now because I'm not going to do that. <laughs> so anyway, that's a little of our background. And then we just, like I said, we were best friends. You know, we were somebody that um, we worked here together and so um, would go to dinner after work and things like that. And then one day, some light came on somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Well, one of the things that I like to say is the best marriages are made up when there's a solid, healthy friendship. Um, and, and I know that our friendship led into a romantic uh, relationship and marriage, but it didn't start that way. It started out with a pure friendship, a mutual respect, a growing appreciation of each other. And I began to see her qualities uh, and the qualities that she possessed really were attractive to me. And, and then it got to the point where I don't know if I could ever find somebody that has these qualities that so complements me and is so committed to serve uh, with me to fulfill the vision and the mission that's on my life. And so that really led, uh, long story short, into one day I proposed to her at the intercessory prayer meeting, you know, because I wanted all the intercessors to be the first to know because they have the heartbeat of God as they're praying for the ministry, as they're praying for the community, and, and that, that's what I thought, in my mind anyway, this is where I'm going to do this. In the place of prayer, I'm going to ask this woman to be my wife and ask for a hand in marriage. In fact, during the prayer time, I actually went into my office and made a phone call because I realized I had not asked her father for her hand in marriage. <laughs> I said, well, I got to take care of this in a quick hurry here. And so he gets on the phone. He says, uh, because I asked her to have her hand in marriage, she said, no. And I thought, what? And then he, he paused for a moment. He said, take both hands. Oh, so, so I thought that was good. He's, he's kind of witty kind of guy, you know. And what was interesting about our relationship, we really went from friendship to being engaged, which was um, totally not the norm. You know, it totally isn't how society does it. It's not how Hollywood does it, but it's what God did in our relationship. And so, you know, when, you know, he got on his knee and asked me to marry him and all these people were around that come to prayer and, and they were like jumping up and down and they're like, you got to kiss, you got to kiss. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't kiss him. Because <laughs> we were friends. Mm -hmm. All we ever did is held hands to pray. <laughs> and so, you know, the innocence of our relationship, I'm so thankful for today because I know it isn't always that way. I know it wasn't that way with relationships I had in the past. But when I became a Christian, just like that song said today, I have new blood flowing through me. I'm a new child of God. I'm, I am a child of God. So all those old things are passed away. And this might not be how it worked in your relationship, and we're not saying this is the only way a relationship works, because we don't think that way. <laughs> but it's what God did in our relationship. Right. And so we don't have regrets. You know, I don't, you know, when I think, um, I heard somebody say once that when you're in a dating relationship, just remember, if you don't intend to marry the person that you're with, you could be kissing somebody else's husband or wife. Mm -hmm. So keep that in the back of your mind. They may not be yours someday. <laughs> don't you love this? Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, we want to sometimes just get into the nitty-gritty, and I think it's where we're all, where we can, where we're experiencing life and living this thing out. I can't say all that changed. We do have four children. It all worked out. Yeah. So, you know. <laughs> so, getting into our... Yes. Um, <laughs> uh, one of the things when we look at uh, having things right uh, in regards to family, in regards to marriage, it's really establishing who God is to your family. And that's where it begins. And, and he needs to be first 
And, and that involves, there's an element there of consistent church attendance because that's part of our family uh, experience. You know, growing up in our home, our kids never had to question, are we going to church today? They just knew that was automatic. And you might say, well, that's because you're the pastors. But it shouldn't just be because we're pastors. It's because that's part of our family. That's part of our life. Something else that, you know, if you have small children or not yet, but will someday, when once the children were, like, old enough, like right before they were going to school, um, Pastor Matt primarily would do morning devotions with them. And so they would read, read the Bible together, and sometimes I'd be there with them. But, but then they got old enough where they're like, okay, we really have to do this every morning because how many of you know that teenagers love getting up in the morning? Well, at least in our house, it wasn't that way so much. <laughs> but, um, you know, there comes a time then that they're on their own, and their relationship with the Lord is between them and God. And so we can't be there managing every little thing they do anymore. So, you know, that's something that is important is to guide them and show them the way. But then at some point they make their own choices, their own decisions. And it isn't always the decisions or choices we'd make, but it's okay because that's between them and God. God's loaned them to us for a little while to help grow them and train them and nurture them. But ultimately they're God's children first. And that can be really hard, <laughs> but that's the truth, that's the reality. Something that uh, Deb and I discussed as uh, we were building our relationship, and especially when we made the decision that we're now going to be married, and you know, uh, we, we really made the commitment that, and, the chal and challenges, uh, challenge each other, that our love for God would be greater than our love for each other, that God would be first in our lives. Because really, when God's first and our love for him is first, then we can be empowered to love the way we need to love towards those around us. I call it the vertical relationship with God, which impacts the horizontal relationships that we have with others. Next thing that is really important, you know, when we talk about living Jesus is um, with our spouse and children, a big thing to us is agreement and knowing that there's agreement with just different things in life. Like, you know, right now in the season of life that we're in, both of our parents are going through different things. Um, Pastor Matt has been helping his parents a lot. They've transitioned from an apartment to um, assisted living and, and helping with doctor's appointments along with other family members and stuff. But, but we just know that during this season, it's okay if he's not home at a certain time. It's okay if he's going to take them to appointments because in this season in life, that's what should be the priority right now. You know, we have one of our children are getting married soon. So things are shifting a little. We schedule our time around what can work to help them out with different things and planning and things like that. So we can really celebrate and have fun with this experience. And it is really fun, <laughs> you know, and it should be. So, so always understanding that. Another thing with agreement for us is he feels called to go to Africa and he's been to Africa several times. And I haven't been to Africa. <laughs> and I don't have that nudge to go to Africa. I just, it's just not there. And, and it might be someday, you know, I've always thought that maybe when all of our children are out of the house, then maybe God would release me to do that or I'd feel that. But right now, I'd just be going to please everybody else, not because it's in me to go. But I am totally supportive of him going and him being gone. And, and I can connect with that because it's his passion and his desire to do that. So I'm okay with that. Yep, that's right. Just like some of you ladies, you probably really like Pinterest. Now, for guys, we don't even know what that is. But we're in I'm in agreement. If you want to spend time on Pinterest, you can spend time on Pinterest. I'm totally in agreement. Okay. <laughs> I'll do that, honey. <laughs> All right. so. the, the, another area, we could actually spend a whole service talking about resolving conflict. And one of the things that we believe is, is that there is no conflict that cannot be resolved as long as there's two people willing to walk through that resolve. And there's tools that God has given us to resolve conflict. In fact, if you're dealing with conflict, there's just a couple of points we want to present to you. 
One is uh, having an understanding heart. I love 1 Peter 3, 7, which says, live with your wives in an understanding way, recognizing that we're heirs together in the grace of life, and we need to commit to understand where this other person is coming from. Because I don't always think the same way she thinks, but yet I'm, I'm responsible to understand, you know, because the Bible says understand your wife. You might say, is that even possible? Yes, it is, because the word says we can. And so uh, I believe in my heart anyway, I commit to live with this woman in an understanding way. Lord, help me understand where she's coming from, because sometimes I am without a clue. I'm totally clueless. And an example is uh, we, we got something for you uh, after service were handed out at some candy. And of course, I went to Shopko with my daughter and, and, and Mackenzie was bringing all these things to me. You should get this for mom. She brings a stuffed animal. She says, she doesn't like stuffed animals. Well, she would like it. And then I'm thinking, no, you would like it because, <laughs> because she'll just give it to you, you know, because she doesn't want it. But anyway, <laughs> I noticed all this candy was on sale. Now, I, I didn't look a, a little bit further. I'm, I'm getting these bags of candy, and it's in the back. It's in the bucket. We'll hand them out to you as you leave. Uh, it's not Valentine's candy. It's Easter candy. And I, I mean, I'm just getting this candy not knowing until I get home. And she says, what are all these chocolate eggs and bunnies? And <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's chocolate. Yeah. It's chocolate, right? So as you're eating the chocolate egg, you can just think, this is a heart. <laughs> Doesn't matter what shape the chocolate or, is in. It's yeah, you're, you're ahead of the game for <coughs> Easter, right? Right. But also for resolving conflict, it's important <laughs> to maintain a posture of humility because pride will always destroy a relationship. But humility allows you to be able to receive correction, to receive instruction, and to receive what you need to do from that other person. Because in conflict, we are so prone to stand up for what our rights are. You wrong me in this or that, but we need to humble ourselves. It also requires, you could share the next one there. Unconditional love. You know, when you think of, I think of toddlers, and I think when they do things that are foolish things, we just love them unconditionally. They really don't know any better. Sometimes we have to look at each other that way. <laughs> Not like we're all toddlers, <laughs> but that, you know, we love each other unconditionally. I don't believe that people intentionally do things to harm people. I just, I just in my, well, at least not in this church. But <laughs> there, there's times where we miss it. There's times we misunderstand. There's times we assume things. But you know, when we can love each other with the love of God and we can walk through those things together and say, I'm sorry, I made a mistake. You know, that's something with our children when they were growing up. We always, when they'd get in their squabbles, we would have them pray with each other. We'd say, um, you know, you need to apologize to each other, but we would say, why are you saying you're sorry? What did you do? Because we can just say, I'm sorry, and just be like, I don't even know what I did. Like, you know, he can be good at that. Sometimes I'm sorry, and if I'm upset about something. And I'll say, what are you sorry for? Um, I don't know, whatever you're upset about, that's what I'm sorry for. <laughs> so that's where the clueless part comes in, but... Yeah. You know, well, he's not me. But, you know, we can forgive each other, and forgiveness is an awesome thing. I mean, we've seen times, not with, just with couples, but people that have conflicts and things going on where they can talk and they can talk things through and pray with each other and walk away and know that they've truly forgiven. You know, the Spirit of God does stuff like that. Mm -hmm. when we involve him in those situations. Yeah, without forgiveness, uh, relationships cannot exist or last for any length of time. Forgiveness is a key to a healthy relationship. The ability for you to not only receive forgiveness, but to give forgiveness towards the offending party. Another thing that we feel like is important in a home is that if you have children, that your children aren't the center of your relationship, but each other are the center 
of your relationship, what, what God really is, but then each other. And there's a class that we did here years ago that um, we'll, we'll need to do again, but it's called Growing Kids God's Way. And one of the things we learned in there was that children shouldn't be the center of our focus when we're married and, you know, husband and wife relationship. The child needs to know that mom and dad come first. The relationship comes first. You're a single parent and you have a child. If you're in a relationship, it's building that relationship is really a healthy thing for a child to see. And so knowing that it's okay that we spend time together without the children. You know, I, I heard this um, curriculum the first time at a conference and our oldest son was about 18 months old, almost, well, he was two years old, he was talking, but, you know, they um, were talking about different things that you could do to help your children to be polite and respectful, you know, be productive citizens in society and all those kinds of things, and I heard all this stuff, and I called him on the phone that night, and I'm like, oh, honey, we've been doing it all wrong, <laughs> because Daniel was our world. He was everything to us. Like, it didn't matter. I mean, he was going to come first no matter what. And then when I heard that, and I heard that that really isn't biblical, like, I'm like, oh, God, forgive me, because we've done that. We put him first. And so then it was doing some backtracking, and he was old enough, you know, that we could help, um, help make some of those right, changes, because right. it's never too late with God. But doing things like, you know, when a child is around, we would have couch time where we would sit on the couch and spend time with each other and they'd play with their toys on the floor, but they would see us together, having a relationship together so that they were, um, it's just a secure thing for children to see those kinds of things. So yeah, It certainly builds security in the child. You know, growing up, one of the greatest fears I had was if mom and dad would ever split up. And because sometimes when they would have disputes or arguments, the thing that would go in my mind, are, are they going to get a divorce? And so that, in the back of my mind, was a constant torment. And, and so it, it produced a, a certain level of insecurity. Now, they stayed together, they worked things out, and they're totally in love, but it was something that had an impact on, upon me. And, and sometimes as adults, we don't realize the impact that that has on children. And, you know, when there has been divorce and those kinds of things, still, you know, God's a forgiving God. We always yes. maintain our relationship with the Lord. And again, that brings security. Nobody can bring security or give security to our children like Jesus can. We can never be God to them. And let me say, there is life after divorce. Divorce does not alienate you from God's best and perf perfect will. It's a matter of walking through with his help. Uh, seeking his guidance and, and being restored and healed from that wound, from that hurt that was incurred through the divorce. Another thing that was important to us is, um, you know, Matt spending time with the girls one-on-one -on -one time where he would do things with them. As a matter of fact, one of the traditions we have for our family is he would always do a daddy-daughter breakfast for their breakfast on their birthday. And so, you know, that was something that's always been a tradition. And this year, our daughter Michaela is in college, and so she's in Tulsa. And it was going to be our first year that he wasn't going to get to have daddy-daughter breakfast with her. So we called her roommate, and she made this wonderful breakfast while Michaela was sleeping, and then woke her up, and candle was lit and had breakfast all ready and they had breakfast together through FaceTime. Isn't technology awesome? <laughs> but you know, spending those times making, that's only once a year, but that's a memory and something so special. And it's, again, never too late for you to take that time and make that time with your children because there's a day that they're out and doing their own thing. You know, I was saying to him just recently, you know, Nathan's getting married. Our, one son is getting married in a little over a month, or a month, about, yeah. and um, from yesterday. And I'm like, I feel like we have to get everything into Nathan in this last month that we didn't pour into him his whole 20 years. <laughs> you know, that's ridiculous. <laughs> but I feel like that because I feel like we're responsible for our children to the degree that we have them to the time that we have them. That's right. 
Uh, another area that, um, uh, just a statement that you can write down if you're taking notes. It's not what you say to your children, but it's showing them how to live life. Because a lot of times you can say what you need to say, but you need to live it out. You need to demonstrate that. Uh, another area we don't really have time to talk about the uh, job aspect of our lives uh, in a family, but that is important. Our life um, is, is a little different than most people that are married because we work together and you know go home together and all that stuff. But the job can come first, uh, which will cause the marriage to suffer, uh, which can actually make things worse if, if we don't keep that in a proper priority. So there, you're, always, you're always waiting for the three things that we can say about living it right. What are three things we can say about live it right? Number one, take notes, write this down, put God first with daily devotion, time in prayer, and the word. With an addendum on that and go to church as a family. And this is something you can establish when you're single going to church, making that a part of your weekly activity to go to church. And uh, Pastor Deb is, is going to share some statistics about church attendance in America, which we found interesting through Barnum. You know, there's different research for different kinds of things, and knowing that church is something that um, a lot of times, especially in America today, is really on the, on the decline as a matter of fact, 49% of people think that church is somewhat or very important, but more people, 51, think that is slightly important or not important at all. When asked if they went to church in the past week, only four out of 10 Americans say that they did. And what's interesting is that number hasn't changed a whole lot in the last decade. More than 52% of millennials so if you're under 30 years old, raise your hand. Raise your hand if you're under 30. So sorry if you just turned 30 and can't raise your hand, but, <laughs> <laughs> but um, it's exciting to be over 30. <laughs> but 52% of millennials, so millennials are people that are under 30, 52% have not attended any church function at all in the last six months. Church attenders have changed from going three to four times a month or even, even several times in a week to now people think that they're regular attenders if they're in church once every four to six weeks. So when we look at that kind of statistic, first of all, all you millennials that are here, yeah, this is hopefully not your only time in six months. But, <laughs> you know, to know that that's really how we grow and who we are our relationship with the Lord is really who gets us from point A to B and helps us understand things. The reason that millennials aren't going to church is because number one, and this is all survey related, so this isn't thus saith Pastor Deb, this is a national survey. But the reason they're not going is number one, church is irrelevant. They don't find it relevant to their lives. Number two, moral failures of leaders. They don't want to come to church when, you know, the leaders are doing all these other things that don't line up with the word. And they feel like God is missing in church. And so coming into this place, I hope that if you're 30 years old or under, and 30 years old and older, that you sense God's presence in this place. I know those songs for me this morning really helped to do it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but... And another thing, the reason they don't come to church is because they're not allowed to doubt. You just need to believe it because we said it. You know, that's really old school. That's, that's one of the things with our children, you know, even though we're pastors and all that kind of stuff, they doubted. They doubted whether God was real. Not all of them, but some of them did. You know, they doubted where, where God was in their relationship with him. And so knowing that God, they doubted their relationship with the Lord, they were in a really safe place to do that with parents who love the Lord, you know, with, and so being in a place like this, ask all the questions you have. 
That's right. part of why we have a young adult night on Sunday nights. That's a place to come and ask questions because we don't expect you to just know it all. And we may not even have all the answers. Yeah, that's and, for sure. And we don't <laughs> pretend to have all the answers. So you come to church to be closer to God, to learn about God, to have fellowship with other believers. And most, one of the most important things is that you believe that the church is the hands and feet of Jesus. So doing things like a second Saturday where we go out into the community and we help, doing things where you can serve and be a blessing to other people, those are things that are important to you. And one of the other things that Barna said is that it isn't just things that um, children get in the home that keep them connected to a church, but it's knowing that the church needs you as much as you need the church. You know, we can have a building, you can have all that stuff, but if nobody shows up, who cares? You know, we need each other to grow with each other and to learn and to challenge each other. That's really what a family does, right? When you're with family, there's challenges sometimes, but you work those things out, and this is a really good environment to do that. Right, it's really doing life together because we're family. A scripture that correlates with this first point is found in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25, which is, let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together as the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more when you see the day drawing near. And that's in reference to the return of Christ. But we need to gather together. We need to assemble together so we can grow, so we can interact. You want to read the second point? Is We talked about this before, learning the art of forgiveness. Without forgiveness, a relationship won't survive. It doesn't matter how right you are or you think you are. <laughs> if you're not able to forgive somebody, that makes you wrong, <laughs> according to God anyway. And so it's knowing that we all can walk in forgiveness with one another. It only takes two people to want to work together to try to work something out to forgive. And you be the first person if the other one doesn't want to. Yeah, sometimes we're waiting for the other person. Well, they need to ask me. Well, no, maybe you need to initiate it. Ephesians chapter 4, 31 and 32 says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. This is a command from Scripture. Now, the key words in this passage we see, as God. We are to forgive as God forgives. That's, uh, see, you might say, but I'm not God. But yet he's empowered you to forgive as he forgives because the love of God is in you. The first verse of the next chapter goes on to say, therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to him. And then the third point is we can't live the gospel when we're focused on us. Because, you know, Jesus was about others. He was about giving to others. He was about reaching out to others. He gave his life for others. So it's knowing that we can't just be focused on ourselves. Who are we helping today? You know, when you think about today's Valentine's Day, and that's all wonderful, but some people get really sad on Valentine's Day. For some people, it's a day that they're focused on loneliness and not having a boyfriend or girlfriend or not being married or all those kinds of things. Guess what? Invite somebody out to lunch. Give them a call. Encourage them in some way because we have it in us to do. Just being married doesn't make you unlonely. Some married people are very lonely people. And so knowing that we can reach out to people who might feel like that, that's thinking outside of ourselves. Florence shared the scripture this morning when she received the offering found in Philippians chapter 2 and starting at verse 2 again it says complete my joy by being of the same mind having the same love being in full accord of one mind and of one mind verse 3 do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit but in humility count others more significant than yourselves 
Let each of you look out not to his own interest, but also for the interest of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Now it's realizing that this is the mind of Christ that saw the importance of, of seeing the needs of others as his first interest. And it's not that we don't consider our own needs important, but it's to look beyond yourself and look to the needs of others and place a value on them. And see, that's where selfishness has no place in our life. You can't be selfish and be full of, of God's love and, and serve one another. God wants you to see the needs of others and not be so self-focused. Have any other thoughts on that then? No, I, I guess in knowing that when Jesus died for us, he gave it all. He wasn't focused on himself. As a matter of fact, when he was on the cross, you know, when people were doing things to them that, I mean, him that was hurtful, that was killing him, what did he say? He said, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. You know, we're the same way sometimes with Jesus. We go about living our lives and we don't consider him. And you know, I feel like sometimes we have to ask God to forgive us for that because we can get so focused on the moment and drama going on in our lives and all those kinds of things. But for us to take a step back and think, God, what do you want in this situation? What do you want in my life? So that he's stepping into that place and he's leading us and he's guiding us. And you know, when we asked him, I know for me, when I asked Jesus to come into my heart and be the Lord of my life, that was the biggest and the best decision I ever made in my life. You know, I was one of those people that I was a lot of fun and I was having a lot of fun, but I was doing it out in the world. I was doing it the world's way. But there came a time where that wasn't filling the voids in my life. There were holes there that drinking didn't fill, that drugs didn't fill, that relationships didn't fill, but only Jesus filled. And so I came to a church service at this church in a different location, and I can remember seeing all the people in church, like even during the worship, the music time, people having their hands raised and worshiping God, and, and I thought, wow, you know, I grew up in church my whole life, and, and I thought I loved Jesus, and I thought I loved God, but when they raise their hands, like, I, I don't feel like I can do that, so do I really love you? Like, do I have that kind of freedom? And I didn't. But when I watched those people, it was their actions that really partly drew me to Jesus, and knowing that, Lord, I want you in my life because I want what these people have. They, they're happy. They give each other hugs. Like they like each other. What is this? This isn't a church I'm used to. But you know, it was that relationship that I can hug somebody that is going through a really hard time that I don't know at all, but I'm praying with them and the love of God can embrace them and hug them and be part of their lives. And I can only do that because Jesus lives in my heart because one day I laid my life down and I said, God, it's not about me anymore. I want everything that you have for my life. And that was June 20th, 1984. <laughs> and from that day on, my life has been transformed. And I can't say I'd ever want to go back. I know I would never want to go back. But God has that for all of you. It's never too late. You may have messed up last night. <laughs> it's never too late for Jesus. Living it right begins by getting right with God. And that means in your relationship with Him. This morning, if you're here and you say, you know, pastors, I don't know that my life is really right with God. And a good question to ask yourself is, if you were to die, if I were to die today, do I know with assurance that I'd be received into to his kingdom? Do I know with assurance that I'd go to heaven? Or is there questions or doubts of where I would end up? Now, most people believe that 
They're going one place or another after they leave this life. Unless you totally say, oh, I don't believe in a heaven or hell. But let me tell you, it's real. And, and I wouldn't want to take a chance of thinking, well, maybe there's not a heaven. Maybe there's not a hell. But there's an opportunity that you can make, a choice you can make right now, even today, if there's an uncertainty in your life. I'm going to ask that you bow your heads at this time, and, and we want to in a moment pray. But if you're here and you say, Pastor, there is an uncertainty in my life. I don't know that my life is right with God, but I really want it to be right. I want to have a right relationship with this God that created this universe, this God that sent his own son to die for my sins so that I could be forgiven, so that my life could, could be changed. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, would you pray for me? Because there is uncertainty. Just lift your hand up, slip it up. So wherever you are, just slip it up. Can you see that hand? Others? We're going to pray this prayer together. And this is simply a prayer that we can pray to acknowledge a place where we are at right now, a place of uncertainty, a place of not really knowing where we stand with God. And it's a place of accepting the love of God that was demonstrated through Jesus Christ when he came to die for our sins. So I want everybody to pray this prayer with me, after me. Let me lead you now. Just repeat after me. Heavenly Father, I come before you in the name of Jesus. I acknowledge that without you I'm lost. I acknowledge that I'm a sinner who needs a Savior. Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die for my sins. I believe that he was raised from the dead to give me new life. Jesus, I put my faith in you. I trust you as my Savior. Forgive me of my sins and make my life what you want it to be. In Jesus' name I pray. Now if you pray that person sincerely, even at this very moment, God's love is exploding in your heart. You're receiving forgiveness. You're receiving his life. And his life has this transforming impact. Just as Deb explained that her life was changed and she wouldn't go back to what it was. Jesus changes the life of a person who comes to him. And he turns no one away. He rejects none. All are accepted by him when they come in faith. Thanks for listening to The Refuge Podcast. For more information about who we are and to listen to more inspirational messages for free, visit us online at wearerefuge.net.